Ian Trache in Phoenix at Turning Point USA, and I'm with Ali Schultz, Juris Doctorate, founder of Hands for Health and Freedom.org. Rachel with Republicans for National Renewal. Republicans for National Renewal is also here. Uh, also a Juris Doctorate. Also a Juris Doctorate. That's right. That's right. And it's for listeners that are familiar with me, you know that it's Trottier, like Cartier, and that caught your attention last night, Rachel, at the <laughs> reception. But Allie, this is the first time we're meeting, uh, so I'm with two Juris Doctorates. Allie, who are you? And make an introduction for listeners. Hi. Um, well, I am just a human. I'm a mom. I have three kids, seven and under. I'm a lawyer. I have fought in this medical freedom fight for the last year, but found myself in an extremely uh, touchy situation with both of my in-laws who live on my street and are like my own parents, um, both in separate ICUs at the same time. And uh, what I, I mean, I just learned so much from that experience that now I just feel it's my mission to help others with this. Okay. Um, you said ICU? Correct. Intensive care unit at, at a hospital. From what? COVID. Okay. So, for the record, yeah. I totally believe in early outpatient treatment. I feel like ivermectin works. I think there's a lot of things that work, not just ivermectin. Um, but for whatever reason, my in-laws, who also believe um, that in early treatment, they were not on the right dose for, yep. for them. And we just got a call one day that my father-in-law felt like he needed more oxygen. And so he was going in an ambulance to Mayo. So I literally, we had nothing in order. I can't believe that. I'm a lawyer. I need to have that in order for my family. But I literally met him in the hospital parking lot and had him sign that I'm medical power of attorney and then his advanced directive for no remdesivir, no intubation, and no vaccine because that that's his MO. Okay, that was his request. Correct. And so we, you know, had it signed, witnessed, notarized. I had my notary friend meet us in the parking lot there. And I knew I didn't feel comfortable with what was going on in the hospitals, but I didn't know how bad it actually is. Um, so meanwhile, my mother-in-law, two days later, finds her way to Banner Thunderbird. Uh, she was there for a very long time, and she eventually died. My father-in-law, he was at Mayo for 27 days. They deprived him of hydration for six So at Mayo, my father-in-law was there for 27 days. They deprived him of hydration, so no IV fluids for six days. No nourishment to his body for six days except for one bag of D5 water. It's like an electrolyte water. And I literally was begging them, crying, begging them to hydrate him. Uh, they said that that is their protocol to dry out the lungs in COVID patients. And I just, I kind of went along with it for the first day or two. And then all of my nurse experts and doctor experts I know are like, no, this is not okay. Like, get in there. You have to fix this. So we did everything we possibly could. Um, they still experimented on him with 
even though they did not do remdesivir, they experimented on him with something called baricinitib. It's like an old RA drug that they doubled the dosage and repurposed and put it on the Fauci protocol. And um, it causes blood clots, bleeds, and it's an immunosuppressant. And then they kept him in seclusion for 24 days, which is crazy because the state guidelines are 10 days post-onset of symptoms. So essentially, he could have a nurse or a doctor caring for him at the hospital that had COVID more recently than he had COVID, but he can't see his own family or his own medical power of attorney. It's a very big predicament. So we finally got him out. It was literally like a rescue mission. We had to set up every single thing, all the oxygen, the um, medical equipment, the transport, and uh, we told him to say that he wanted to go home to do hospice. And that was the only way that we could get him out. We gave Mayo 30 minutes notice, and now he's doing fantastic. He is- Saved his life. You know, it was God. It was all God. There were so many angels that helped us in that situation. I've never had more of a spiritual experience in my life. Like, it was so divine, the whole thing. So your uh, your legal approach, uh, the power of attorney. The, the it sounds like the hospital. If I follow that rightly, the hospital did not accept that. They, they didn't regard that. Correct. Well, what they do is they play capacity against against you. So if you were if he was intubated and completely put out, then they would say that I'm medical power of attorney. But because he was alert and awake on a BiPAP machine. It's almost like a CPAP, but it goes breathing both in and out, right? Um, then when it was convenient for, for them and their goals, they would say that he had capacity. And then when it was not convenient, he would, like if we wanted him to sign something, then they would say he did not have capacity. And so, but regardless, this is happening in every federally funded hospital. So since I publicized this situation, I've had hundreds of families reach out with the same exact thing. And no, this is not a vaccinated or unvaccinated thing. Like my family, we personally do not believe in the vaccine. No pressure if someone does, but this is happening even if someone is vaccinated. If they're over 50, they're withheld hydration for six to seven days. A lot of these people have died, but their families knew what was going on. And a lot of them have gotten out as well um, but it's it's just there's a, a it's a really sad day because I guess we, we were just talking about how um, socialized medicine has come in to America because it's every federally funded hospital they must stay on this Fauci protocol or they could lose their federal funding they would have to pay back any of their American Rescue Plan funds or CARES Act funds that they took if they go off of like evidence-based medicine. And then also they could lose their CMS reimbursement if they uh, waiver from the Fauci protocol. And then as far as doctors are concerned, they have zero liability whatsoever for a COVID patient if they stay on this protocol. So they're incentivized to as well. Rachel. Um. I mean, the idea, essentially, with socialized medicine is that the government is subsidizing, it's involved, and it can make decisions. And so if you have 
And that's the concept, essentially. So if you have the government coming in and telling hospitals how that they, they can run protocols, how they need to run their systems, you know, what kind of funding they're going to have if they do things a certain way, what kind of funding they're not going to have if they don't do things. You know, I mean, they, they've got a leash on the doctors, and so whatever's medically right is not necessarily what's going to be pushed because that's not what's financially expedient or financially lining you know the hospital or the doctors or the insurance company's pockets and so I think if you really boil it down and break it down we could call that socialized medicine when the government is so closely involved and linked into the management of the funding in the hospitals and how they are administering medicine or what medicine they're administering you know, what I found is a lot of people, including myself, um, I did not realize that there's actually three stages to And COVID. you're appointing a dictator to kind of define that health standard for you, right? And that's kind of what you were just saying with Fauci. Right. He, he's, he's, he's becoming kind of that, that health czar, right? Saying, no, it's this way. This is my team. This is the information. And, and I hadn't considered that until you just said that, Allie. Well, he's not elected either. He's been in government for how long? 50 years in the administrative state? The administrative state is massive. You know, this is not an elected area of our government. So they can hold these positions through various presidents as we've seen, you know? Yes, he's still there with Biden, but he was there with Trump, but he was there before Trump. He was there under was Obama. Was there Reagan? Well. Uh, he's been around for a while. I, I can't give you the exact, you know, year that he came in. Um, but he's been around for several presidential terms. And so this is an apparatus of the government. It's a problem. Kind of like Pelosi. Right, exactly. I mean, right, she's, she's elected, fit, yeah. but it is a problem. But so the administrative state, you know, I mean, people can work to get Pelosi out, you know, theoretically at least. But the administrative state is a massive part of our government that nobody has any say. You know, this is like with the EPA and these other organizations that they have total control over their little fiefdoms. There's a, a, you've learned this in law school, I'm sure, Chevron deference. You know, so if you want to protest, if you want to like file against something, you know, that the EPA did something wrong, you cannot go to any just normal court to file your case. You have to go to the EPA who wrote the rules and wrote the laws on your situation that you're having an issue with. So it's an entire, branch of government essentially that's unelected that has total power and control over their fiefdoms over their areas it's like at what point do we say these protocols are not working in the hospital these protocols too many people are dying why can't we just evaluate another protocol because they're not treating the second and third stage of covid you know covid consists of three stages i'm not a doctor but i know a lot of them that are um doing the right thing here and the first stage is a viral stage, you know, it stays in the nose and mouth. And then the second, it's an inflammatory stage, it gets down to the lower lung. And then the third, it's actually a thrombosis. And so even if someone's body is getting pushed with so much oxygen from a ventilator or a BiPAP, then their cells have refused together that they cannot even absorb that oxygen to oxygenate for their body. And then most certainly, by depriving people hydration, that lessens the ability for a body to oxygenate as well. So we have never in our lives treated pneumonia patients like this, where they're told to lay flat on their back. You know, they we don't bronch them. We don't treat the inflammation. We're not allowed, you know, nebulized budesonide or things like that. 
um, in the hospitals. And so at what point can we say these protocols are not working? So it's all, you, you almost, you're, you're reluctant to put an individual into one of these health care centers, hospitals, whatever it may be. It sounds like Mayo Clinic. How did you get your father-in-law out? Wait, was he consented to wanting to leave? Is that how they... Oh, he yes, he was wanting to leave, but we've had many people who've wanted to leave before and they're not let out. We've had to get law enforcement involved um, for false... People you've represented? Yes. As a, as a, as a lawyer? So you're getting law enforcement involved. What does that look like? They're physically going in there with... They go in as a civil standby, um, and they say this patient would like to leave against medical advice, and the hospital is holding them. And the hospital does not have jurisdiction over someone's body just because they're getting treated at the hospital. But they what hospital? They do. Can you mention a couple of the names? Oh, my gosh. Um, Marietta Hospital in Ohio. Um, there's a few in West Virginia we're working at right now, um, some in Texas, Honor Health, Thompson Peak here. I mean, it's all over. Any federal And the hospitals are literally trying to retain these people. They're actually, without patients realizing it or patients' families realizing it, they are actually restraining people already with, by way of the oxygen. So they, they use this device called high-flow oxygen now. And someone might have an oxygen requirement going into the hospital of about six liters or so of oxygen. And then they get them on this high-flow nasal cannula machine that pumps in 60 liters. And it will be like 12 hours, and they'll have such a great oxygen need. And so no one can leave the hospital on that high of an oxygen need, and they know that. So they're essentially restrained and held in seclusion which this is a really big issue because in order to seclude a patient or restrain a patient, uh, unless it's a mental health thing, even for mental health things after a couple days, you need a court order. And they're doing this to people for months at a time. It's insane. Is it genocide? Um, you know that word- What's happening right now, Rachel? You could call it a form of genocide. I mean, Lee Dundas just said that. She said it's a genocide. Yeah, I haven't thought about applying that word to this situation. Um, but what is the situation? No, I think there's no denial that it has been, um, in in the best light, it's systematic gross negligence. In the worst light, you can call it genocide. I think because it's um, you. Know, it, it, it boggled my mind and it shocked me when Cuomo was putting COVID positive patients into the nursing homes. You know, we knew. Right. Back then, we knew that the people at highest risk were people who were obese, who had comorbidities, and who were the elderly. People in nursing homes, they're not just elderly. They typically have some sort of health issue as well. You know, this is why they're in a nursing home. They, they're not able to take care of themselves or it's too intense for their family to take care of them 24-7, right? So you have the highest at-risk patients being exposed to COVID and being locked down, not being allowed to see their families. You know, I mean, we've made this like prison health system. You know, we've, we've seen with Australia that they had these COVID camps. We just did it in our cities. We didn't take them out to some camp far away. 
that's what Australia is doing. We just did it right here under everybody's nose in the nursing homes or in people's homes or in the hospitals, you know, held against their will, like you know, with your family and with all the other people that you represent. I mean, it's it, it, it's insane. It, this is, you know, it's it's reminiscent of 1940s, 1930s, 1940s Germany, to say the least, I think. So here's why I think it's genocide. Hands you down. do think it's genocide? I absolutely do. Because. And you're pondering, applying that. Yeah, it's the first time I've heard somebody use that word to this time. Typically, I think of the Holocaust, you know, or what happened with the Armenians. I'm, I'm not trying to make light of any other situation or anything, by any means. Of course. But this is why I think this is genocide. It's because of this. it's the same modus operandi that keeps happening to people. So it does not matter if someone has COVID symptoms or if they go to the hospital for a broken arm. They're all given the same protocol. So this is what happens. They go to the emergency department at any federally funded hospital. Immediately upon arriving there, they start an IV with something called midazolam. The brand name for that is Versed, and it is something that they use to induce a coma into people, but it's also a lung tranquilizer and it causes a massive oxygen desaturation. It's also what they use for lethal, lethal injection, people, oh my God. you know, in higher doses. So this is part of the Fauci protocol. They do the midazolam, then they refuse service unless someone submits to a PCR test, which as you guys likely know, over 97% false positives, you know, with 35 amplification cycle threshold or higher. Well, so there's even worse with the, with the, with the swabs that they're yeah. sticking up, you know, right next to your brain with the, the chemicals that are on the cotton swabs as well. That's dangerous as well. Breaks exactly. the blood brain barrier. Oh, yeah. that, that happened to me actually. I, I, they busted a blood vessel up there when I was tested. How come they can tell me who my grandpa is by swabbing my cheek, but they have to swab my blood brain barrier to tell me if I'm sick or not? It's crazy. So anyway, they swab these people with that test that you're talking about. And then you know, they come back and they say, oh my gosh, you tested positive for COVID. You're just here for a broken arm, but you have COVID you didn't even know. And look, you know, by the, in the meantime, the midazolam has set in and their lung function has been tranquilized and their oxygen desaturation has occurred. So then they say, thank God you're here. We are your, we are your saviors, you know, the God complex. So they rush them up to the um, ICU. They keep all loved ones and advocates out. They immediately add remdesivir into the IV and remdesivir is... With consent or force. Well, remdesivir is actually an approved drug now. Can you believe that? I mean, this is a, it's a failed Ebola drug. It did not make it through the Ebola trial because 53% of the people died of kidney failure. That's in our Fauci protocol. Mm -hmm. So they immediately start that remdesivir and then um, when someone is dying of kidney failure or has kidney failure, it causes chest congestion. And so then they call the, the family and they say, I'm going to text you. I can't share with you the records because there's been a federal waiver and we no longer have to show, show you the records right now, even though it is still state law in many states that they must show. Um, but they say, I'm going to text you a picture of your loved one's chest x-ray and look how awful it is look how bad the COVID is and then they get the family to agree to vent the person so the, the family agrees they vent the person and they keep the midazolam and then they add the morphine so the midazolam morphine thing goes on for about six days is their goal to have the person dead 
Um, the most that they'll keep them in there is 27 days because after that they're not reimbursed for any um, of the care that they're, the care in quotations um, that they're providing for people. And so this is why I think this is a mass genocide attempt. I think, I mean, these are 100% crimes against humanity. This is Nuremberg Code stuff. They cannot just do this to people. They're doing it to babies now. Newborn babies, PCR testing, confirming by saying they have fluid in their lungs. They're, she was just in fluid. She was just born, you know? And then isolating babies, newborns, from their parents. And so that, I do think that this is just such a um, critical issue that people are aware that they need to stay out of federally funded hospitals. They need to understand how to um, get in touch with doctors that can keep them um, healthy at home, or better yet, learn on their own how to keep themselves healthy, um, because it really is all in our own hands as far as our health and asserting our rights if we get stuck in a situation at a hospital. Well, I think an individual's best advocate is that own individual. Relying on the government to care for you the most is always going to be a mistake. Uh, we know that relying on somebody else to care for you the most is going to be a mistake. Same with the federal government. Um, it's, it's everything you said is it's shocking. And the systematic way in which it's done, I think, is you know an argument in the column of, yes, this is genocide because it is so systematic and it is so directed and purposeful. And because there have been so many other protocols that have been proven in thousands of people that have worked to help people get over COVID quickly and within two weeks. And those people are persecuted and demonized. We saw this with Joe Rogan, you know? Before Joe Rogan was sick with COVID, I was sick with COVID, July, end, end of July, 2021. I had HCQ, I had ivermectin, I had a Z-Pack, um, I had some steroids to help me function because I was taking a three-day exam, but you know, isolated, of course. And I was over it in two weeks. I had a high fever, I was exhausted, you know, small cough, minimal though. And two weeks, that was it. I didn't need to go to the hospital. You know, I didn't need to go through any of these other things. And granted, for every individual, certain things could be different. But there's no reason to not try these protocols when they're not unsafe first. Give that a chance first before you start trying any of these other things that have been shown to be so dangerous and so harmful. Yeah. I totally agree with you, and I just think that if it does get in a situation where you're debating going to the hospital, like, try anything you possibly can to stay home. If you get in a bind where um, you need help because you have a hospitalized loved one, we have a team of people that are helping do these hospital rescues, um, and you can find that information at our website, um, handsforhealthandfreedom.org, and we have um, a lot of the documents you can use to send in writing to the hospital but also just ways to um, treat yourself and stay out of the hospital is is this is this a this is not medical advice by the way this is not please medical do your own advice. research you're not a doctor no um, i'm not a doctor we're not doctors is, is so so you what we're what we're equating here is a socialized form of medicine applied, of course, to the a pandemic regarding COVID-19 and these various variants now. But if you if you were an outside entity, so if America, America had an enemy, which America doesn't have an enemy, right? We're, I, I would, right? Okay, so if I you're- I disagree if you're, with that, you're, that's okay. That. Okay, okay, good, 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 good. If you were, 
if you were if you were trying to destroy America and you knew you knew you couldn't face its military because the military is so massive so you wanted to kind of infiltrate it in a stealth manage, manner Brigadier General uh, Robert Spaulding joined my show two years ago and he said that the country has been infiltrated by a stealth enemy and he labeled that enemy clearly in his book okay I'm not going to say who he if, unless you know his work I'm going to say who, who he thinks the enemy is uh-huh but if the enemy has been successful, successful at infiltrating the United States, but on a global scale. So it's kind of like, okay, well, we're going to watch some of these other countries also fall. I mean, okay, theoretical or not, but what we do see is that BLM, for instance, is saying, well, we want, we're, they're funded by George Soros, Soros, and they're saying we want a communist-style, Cuban communist-style government in the United States. They make no bones about that. Where's that enemy coming from? Have you thought about what that enemy might be? What is it? Would you have you labeled it? Have you thought about that? So the socialized socialized form of if 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 this is a if this is a if this is a a, a, a weapon in an arsenal, where where could it be coming from? Is it is it where is well, it coming from? I mean, if you think about the medical establishment, I, I we it's been infiltrated. I think a lot of industries have been infiltrated in America. Um, but if you look at the medical establishment, a hundred years ago, the Rockefellers took it over. They own Big Pharma. They own the medical schools. They, there is no one. Rockefeller Medicine Men. You ever heard that book? Anyway, I don't I want should, to get sidetracked. I, should, uh, I can send it to you. Go ahead. But before that, orthomolecular biochemistry was where it is at. And I think a lot of people are getting back into that and using high doses of vitamins to treat certain things. And people live glorious lives without Big Pharma before this. And I think I think that is probably the most stealthy infiltrator or enemy they in the country it is Big Pharma because you look at the the people who have died in Hollywood over the last decade, decade and a half of you know they said it was suicide or overdose. You've got Michael Jackson, you've got um, Heath Ledger, you have Brittany Murphy, right? What were they taking? They were like walking pharmacies with the amount of pharmaceutical drugs they were on. It's insane how much they were on. You know, this is not logical. You know, I, I mean, even Michael Jackson's doctor has been sued for malpractice because of all of the things that he was taking. But here's the right. other thing. We've, we already know that Fauci and the NIH were funding the Wuhan lab where this virus was built and experimented with, you know, I mean, it doesn't take too much intelligence to figure out, and this is the genius of the mainstream media, is gaslighting us to think maybe we are crazy, maybe this is a conspiracy theory, but you know, the virus came from Wuhan, and there's a lab of virology in Wuhan, and there was a whistleblower doctor at that lab from Wuhan who disappeared. Maybe, just maybe it was released from there. You know, it's, it's not insane to ask those questions. That's not crazy. And That's freedom. To be able to ask those questions is, is freedom. Frankly, it? that's proper journalism. So the fact that that's not happening anymore in the mainstream media really should be making everybody else question. Why are we being criticized for asking questions? Absolutely, Allie. I absolutely agree. I think that they have 100% been infiltrated as well. And... 
are the right arm of big pharma and getting all of this done. I think there's going to be a lot of people held liable for um, this. I hope so. And I just hope it's soon. Like how many more people have to die? Well, and to what you were saying about Big Pharma, here's the other thing people need to realize. Big Pharma is funding the medical schools. This is why the first thing they want to give you is drugs. Not go for a walk, get in the gym, eat healthy, don't eat McDonald's, don't drink soda, eat more fruit, eat more vegetables, you know, don't eat prepared food that's filled with preservatives. You know, these are basic things. These, these are so common sense, but doctors are not going to ever tell you this. You know, maybe a dietitian will tell you this. Maybe. Um, but this is the best way to take care of yourself and to be healthy and to live longer. So let's 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 run with this real quick. The, the Rockefeller angle, because the Rockefeller the Rockefellers Rockefeller medicine men, the Rockefellers manipulated. I mean, let's not forget that they were tried by by U.S. Con, uh, Congress for antitrust issues, right? So a monopoly. But it, but look, some of the work that I've done is I pulled back and I said, okay, we're, we're the Rockefellers. The Rockefellers are largely in, in bed with J.P. Morgan, and J.P. Morgan was financed by some of these European bankers, primarily the Rothschild, okay? So if we do that, we pull back and we say 1913, the, the, the Federal Reserve Cent, uh, Central Banking uh, Act was passed in 1913. So if you're hiding behind the veil and the cloak of a private bank, but you're, you're, you're funding a government, essentially, you're able then... Okay, this is where it becomes theoretical, right? So people say, oh, it's just theory, Ian. Well, I hold Bo back. It's not so much theory because it's not. It's a private bank. So if we say, if, we, if, we, if we're to assume, because we don't know who the shareholders are of that, of that, of that bank, if we have to assume that the Rockefellers are controlling the healthcare system in the United States behind the veil of this central bank and, and some of, the, some of the, the financial money behind that, can we trace these roots back to Germany and say that what was happening in Germany with, with, with Adolf Hitler and killing, killing uh, millions of Jews? And, and I mean, that was genocide. There's no doubt about that. Can, can we pull, pull back the veil and trace some of, these, some of these money lines back to Europe? I think that's a complex issue regarding the, uh, the philosophy of Hitler. A lot of that, frankly, goes um, to, to... We can apply... It, it goes to Ford, you know... Ford was Hitler's hero. You know, he emulated Ford. Ford was printing, you know, a famous known plagiarized forgery, you know, in his Dearborn newspaper about the protocols of the elders of Zion. You know, this was a debunked lie, you know, that Ford reprinted and brought to the United States in the early 1900s to kind of reignite anti-Semitism in the United States. Jews have been around in the United States for a long time. There wasn't much anti-Semitism until Ford, until Dearborn. Look at Dearborn now. It's quite the hub for a lot of anti-Semitic groups, including Louis Farrakhan and Nation of Islam. So there's a lot of complex elements, I think, with, you know, Europe and anti-Semitism. You can look at the Catholic Church as well and the Jesuits. You know, this it's a complex issue. It would be interesting to trace the money back. Um, and to see how that ties in as well. Let's see how, you know, I think it's more... But we need transparency in some of these things for we would, to do that. We would, I think it might be a facet, you know, one facet of the issue, one thread of the of the tapestry. Um, but it's, you know, but the anti-Semitism issue is... It, Anti-Semitism in Europe is an issue that goes back, you know, hundreds of... A thousand years even, you know. So it, sure. goes, it goes back a long way. Um, but it would be interesting to research that. Yeah, and, and with, with that said, what we do know, which, which is definitely not taught in public, public schools, is Prescott Bush financing through Union Bank the Hitler regime. That is, I have heard that, yes. Okay, and, 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 the, and the, reason, the reason I got 
attuned to that was because I started investigating a Zika virus in Miami Beach in, in 2016. And, and I realized I the Rockefeller, Houston. and you were in Houston, and the Rockefeller Foundation owning a patent, the extraction process of the Zika virus, from a British group called ATCC, and that yet also owning uh, the majority shares of the Chevron Chemical Corporation that produced the pesticides. So they were bringing in the Rockefeller Foundation into both. And what caught my eye there is that this guy Sutton out of Stanford, the Stanford Hoover fellow, he was silenced by Palo Alto. He was censored and he walked away from his fellowship at the Stanford Hoover Institute because they were, they were trying to silence him. But that's what he was bringing to, to light was that Prescott Bush through Union Bank. And this is congressional record because Union Bank was brought up on uh, the Trading with the Enemy Act for their involvement in openly funding, not open, so open, but funding the Hitler regime uh, it's, it, 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 during World War II. Uh, and, and also uh, also buying Ford uh, manufactured manufactured trucks. So, so a lot of these things, go ahead. There's a huge connection between the Hitler regime and the United States. Frankly, they could not have pulled off what they did in Germany if it hadn't been for them. GM and the Blitzkrieg, um, Hitler and Ford, you know, they, you know, Hitler greatly admired Ford. Um, this is a research paper I actually wrote during my master's on the, the ties between, you know, America and Hitlerism, the, the Nazi philosophy. And, and so much of it, frankly, came from us first. And he kind of copied it and just did it more openly. You know, there's uh, eugenics. We were doing that first in the 20s and the 30s before Hitler picked up on it, even before the 20s, I believe. Um, I haven't gone over the paper that I wrote in a while, so I don't want to misstate too much, but this is something that was happening, you know, here in our country, you know, before Hitler, and he took what we were doing, he saw it here, and he took it to the next level over there. So everybody, you know, as a Jew, you know, I, I will say, like, everybody's focused on what Hitler did, but it's important to realize, and as there's nothing, I mean, I'm, I'm German-Jewish, you know, there's nothing to say in his defense. I will say, though, his ideas were not original. He got them. He got them from us, you know. Um, wow. and, and there's a tie also between IBM and the 1933 census that identified every single Jew in Germany that basically handed them all of the names, you know. And then IBM helped them build the train schedules, you know, so that everything could be, you know, perfectly timed. And they were able to do this to such a large scale. You know, they had a lot of help from American companies and conglomerates and you know satellite companies that were set up in Germany as well so this was not a singular effort and you know I would like to say you know obviously there were another six million as well not everybody remembers there were six million Jews there were six million Germans as well that were considered undesirable in society um, so whether they were you know mentally impaired or if they had health issues or if they were homosexual or if they were gypsies just any part of society that you know Germany or Hitler didn't like there was another six million of them in addition to the six million Jews and so America did help with this you know and then you have during you know FDR everybody thinks that he was such a great president he was not there, there was a ship of Jews brought to the United States to, to bring, to save them, he turned that ship away. He sent it back. So, you know, there is a long tie of, you know, serious institutional issues. And he confiscated all public gold. I, I, I mean, get it, yeah, that's a mess as well. So, you know. I think I think you might be uh, intriguing Allie with some of your knowledge here, <laughs> Rachel. Yes, I'm very impressed, wow. Um, 
Well, you know, when you collect degrees, you learn a little bit. <laughs> what you do with it, yeah, that's more, you know. You seem to be taking to... some action here. Starting to, starting to. But it's, um, you know, it's important for people to, you know, do their own research, not believe everything they're being fed. And that was the problem in Nazi Germany. You know, people just went along and they were compliant, they were complicit, they were okay with that. And that's what we've seen a lot here. I will say it's amazing, you know, being able to see at a conference like this, Turning Point USA's America Fest, it's amazing to see so many people coming together, people who are standing up, people who are not blind to this and who are doing their own research and who are not complying and who are not just, you know, buying everything that the mainstream media or the government is telling them, you know, you have your own brain, you have your own mind that God gave you, use it, think critically, you know, don't rely on other people, figure it out. Allie, some, some, some closing comments or, or, or some comments, what is going through your mind right now? Well, when you bring up um, some of the medical experimentation that happened during, um, you know, that time in Germany, I'm reminded of the nurses that were so nice. And, you know, there are all these families, they're reaching out to me right now. They say, well, this nurse talked to me and she was so nice or he was so nice. I'm like, yes, but did you get hydration for your loved one today? No, they said they're not able to get hydration today. And so I guess I'm just bringing to everyone's awareness, like just because someone is nice or charismatic, like the nurses in Germany who were rocking those babies and singing to them and they were so nice to them, but at the same time they were allowing these experiments to happen and they were actually injecting them with experiments. So just because someone is nice, Look at their actions when they're taking care of your loved one. But more importantly, just try not to get in a situation where you would need to go to a hospital to be cared for. Um, and establish your own group in your own community that you can go to for help. You know, I'm sure someone you know has an oxygen concentrator if, if it will help you stay out of the hospital. Or someone might have extra of something else to help you. But just have that network and have your knowledge base um, so that you don't get in the same situation that my family got into. And if you need any other information, handsforhealthandfreedom.org. Well, I agree with everything Ali's saying and um, you know, people have always said to me, oh, they're so nice, they're so nice, and here's the issue. The devil can't entice you unless he's nice. So try to analyze what's actually being said, not the way it's being said. Try to analyze what's actually being done, the actual actions, not just, you know, how nice it comes off, not just the nice, you know, facade that's being put on. And, um, you know, everybody really needs to learn how to think critically and, and do their own research. And, um, you know, just don't, don't rely on the government. Thank Great, you so ladies. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.